With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast. Hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in Eric Spolstra. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the mouth. Chris Mannix. Yes. All right, my guest this week recording from his office in Los Angeles, the home of the LA Times. Well, it's a, it's a vacant office. You can let me get to you first. It's a vacant you. office. I haven't introduced you yet. I don't want to put it out there like, oh, I've got some new job and some new office. Well, you do have a new job, Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times. <laughs> you are the new newly minted national NBA writer coming over from the old Charger beat after years on the uh, Clipper yeah, beat before I, that. I fought for LA and I lost. So now I've, I've, I've moved off the NFL. Yes, I'm but done. now you're a new national guy there. How, How you about, about that? I'm super excited. I think, you know, even before like the, the, the wheels for this were put in motion prior to LeBron coming and I was excited about, you know, sort of the direction of basketball in the city again. I, I thought the Lakers had a, a fun roster. I think the Clippers like going through this sort of like half rebuild, half not was interesting. And then like you know, the league's in such a good place. There's so many fun teams to talk about. Then, you know, I think like a couple of days after I agreed to do it or they agreed to let me do it or whatever, um, LeBron happens and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, so things are going to be a little different. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be good because you can be the national NBA guy and just write LeBron stories. And you'd probably be, you'd probably make your editors pretty happy. Yeah, I think they'd enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of people writing a lot of LeBron stories. You don't want to write about the Orlando Magic rebuild? You don't want to take a four-day trip down to the magic kingdom to oh, i hate going to orlando like it, it's it's i like and, and it's not like i i tend to find the good in every city that we get to travel to like i we're lucky enough to get to do these things orlando is probably my least favorite travel into town because of that you have to deal with the disney people mm-hmm. and it's like you know families like how dare you have so many children and want to take them on a nice vacation and somehow get them all tsa pre-check like that kid is not pre-check you know, he's trying to take his shoes off. It's like, dude, you're six. Like, just go through the line. Like, mm. why do you have so much metal on you? I get, really ugh, thought this Orla- through. Orlando. Okay. Terrible. All right. You and I were both at uh, Laker Media Day. A couple hundred people at the practice facility today. Yeah. Uh, as you would expect, national, local alike, everybody there to see LeBron James make his first uh, public appearance um, as Nelly Laker. He did the thing with Rachel Nichols over the summer when he mm. uh, opened up his school. But this was the first time everybody kind of got... A crack at him, and now let me just ask you first your your general takeaways from from LeBron because he was asked in about a fifteen minute kind of you know Q and A Q&A session. He was asked about the decision to come to L A. He was asked about all the things he has going off the court. He was asked about Rajon Rondo. What was your takeaway from LeBron? I mean, he didn't seem that thrilled to be there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was very businesslike, very 
Um, wasn't going out of his way to engage with anybody. Wasn't trying to connect necessarily. Um, you know, and not that he needs to do these things. I mean, he's LeBron James. I mean, we, I think everybody kind of knows what he can do, but it, it seemed like uh, kind of a necessary formality for him just to get through. And, and then, you know, I think as the season goes on, obviously I'll get to know people better and it'll be there'll be a, a better relationship. But I think he looked weird in uh, Lakers uniform. Um, there's some adjustment to that. I, I mean, did you think Rondo looked stranger as, as a as a Boston person? Not, I mean, Rondo has been around a little bit. He so. mentioned when he listed the teams that he was on, I had completely forgotten he was on the Sacramento Kings. He led the NBA in assists that season. <laughs> like, that one was like, oh, yeah, he was on the Kings. Like, I mean, I knew the Mavericks. Um, I remember that briefly, too. Um, but, yeah, so we've seen him. Look, I mean, it's still always a little jarring when you see kind of, you know, a superstar wearing, like, kind of, you know, something different. There wasn't the, the Miami Heat bravado, though, certainly. Um, I think... To me, the biggest takeaway of everything he said was that success isn't measured by championships, which to me struck me as a very un-LeBron thing to do because, you know, he's willed so many, you know, sort of good, um, definitely flawed basketball teams to get to that championship level. To me, that not being a, a top priority um, you know, or not making it seem like it was a number one priority, that growth and patience and these things were important seemed to me a little... A little strange, but I guess you don't sign with the Lakers if you think you're walking in the door and going to, you know, compete with the Warriors. right? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, he was asked specifically for this season something along the lines of what your definition of success is given this team is not probably not going to win a championship. And I give LeBron credit for, you know, not saying something ridiculous like we, we still believe we can win. We go out every day thinking we're going to win a 30 championship. 30 teams. 30 teams think like, they're going to win a championship. That's yeah. absurd. And, and whoever asked... I think it was an international reporter that asked, like, um, how do you think you match up with Golden State? Like, come on. Th- this is not what they're trying to do this year. I mean, down the line, absolutely. LeBron is still focused on catching Michael, on winning more championships. Sure. But he knows. And I give him credit because he knows what this team is. However you may see them, whether they're a top four seed, bottom eight seed, out of the playoffs, whatever, they're not a championship team out there. So, Dan, I give him credit for you know, just telling the truth. He's going to make headlines for what he said, you know, when we're, you know, not the headline will be success, not dependent on championship, colon, James. Yeah. Um, but it's a, a fact. Hey, were you a copy editor here? Are you going to take, you're going to take a night shift today? I need another job. So okay, I need, yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't have enough of them. I, I need another job. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's also, I think kind of hearing what we all assumed when he signed, which was like, this is a multi-year plan, which is strange for somebody who has been so year in, year out a force you know i mean he's defined a conference for a decade you know pretty much and and to you know to to not envision him there at the end is going to be different um to envision him kind of taking more of this long read on on, on the nba and the western conference is certainly different and i think it's going to take some getting used to because hearing something like that is jarring you know from him because you're so used to i mean this is a guy that that you know, believed he could beat the the greatest team in, in NBA history, you know, the, those 70-plus win Warriors teams, and did it. You know, him and Kyrie Irving, like, they, they did it. And that took a lot of bravado, a lot of guts, a lot of self-belief. Obviously, he has tons of that. Um, I mean, he said today, it's like, you know, what what defines pressure to him at this point? Nothing. Um, but there is pressure here. Um, there's pressure to win in L.A. I mean, like, if you're going to you're gonna walk in the, the footsteps of Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, you know, those levels of, of kind of icons in the city – like if he comes out of this without a title, it's I mean, I'll I'll define it for him. It's hard to say that this run would be a success then. I mean, I feel like they have to win here once and, and you know, but it's just not all on him, obviously. They need to build uh, a better roster and they need to develop the guys that they have here. Yeah, and they don't have that roster right now. We know the score. Everyone, most everyone has one-year deals. This is a roster that they're going to try a bunch of things with Luke Walton. It's a bridge year for sure. Yeah, Luke Walton said he wasn't wed to any rotations yet. He hasn't thought that much ahead. And it's clear that, you know, these first days of training camp, they're going to learn a lot about what Luke Walton wants from this team in terms of style of play. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, right? Like they want to play fast. I mean, that's everybody says this, right? This is like in your. When you're not good, you want to play fast. That's a like, general like, rule of thumb. But, like, but even in like your media day, like bingo cards that you have out, right? Like I, I the, the coaches that say, you know, we're going to, we're going to, Walk the ball up the court. We're going to use seven to eight seconds to get. A, nobody ever says it. Everybody wants to play with pace and with thrust. These are things that, you know, these are the buzzwords. I don't know. Can podcast people see me rolling my eyes while I do Somebody this? Somebody play with thrust. Is that a thing? This was Rob Plink yesterday. They want to play with, or earlier this week. They want to play with thrust. That's the first time I've heard somebody 
so really want to play with thrust that's a thing i've heard that that's a football thing too okay maybe maybe football. that's it's like pace with it's like pace times force equals thrust so football basketball and same both. porn basically <laughs> is what looking over my shoulders not for my bosses i'm not gonna be able to have internet privileges here anymore <laughs> if you say that way um, uh, no but, let me but, yeah. let me say this though one thing that needs to be dispelled and stopped talked about is the whole off-the-court juggling everything distraction for LeBron James. People need to understand that LeBron James is not doing Space Jam 2 because he's a Laker. LeBron James doesn't have the shop because he's a Laker. LeBron James doesn't have the new series Shut Up and Dribble on Showtime because he's a Laker. The His people, Maverick Carter and his Spring Hill Entertainment Group, have been pitching this stuff for months and years. This is all a long time in the making. Now, Dan, yeah. there may be, but there may be stuff down the line that well, comes that, from that, LA. That's what I was just going to say is that I mean I think like you know this isn't the the crest of the wave right you know this but it's is, not like he's out there like looking at raw footage and well I mean it. I think I think we have to do, yeah I mean right like you hire people to, to do this stuff for you I mean right like you want to put your fingerprints on it I suppose to a certain extent I don't know I haven't produced many films it is not something I've that's not in my on my uh, resume the wakey chronicles uh, yeah right I assume to uh, YouTube speaking of uh, thrust the um, no I, I I think you know it's to me, I think it's obviously it's it's a piece in the overall puzzle as to why he's here. I, I, I do think so. I think there's no question that, you know, everything being the same, you know, if if Hollywood was located in rural Montana, you know what I mean? I, I don't think that'd be the only I don't think he'd be playing for like the Bozeman, you know, whoever or I can't think of any other cities in Montana. I pissed off Florida and Montana already. Seriously, um, I'm really taking this national thing to heart. The um, but I, I do think obviously it's part of L.A. It's part of the charm here. It's part of the appeal um, and he's going to take advantage of it. I think he's certainly someone who's shown uh, the savvy to when, when presented with opportunities to take advantage of them and and use them to either push social agendas or to um, position himself for things down the line. Like he's been smart about that. And I think the fact that he's a Laker, I think it just allows the momentum from these other things to build. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I do think that's how it impacts sort of, you know, the fact that in the last few weeks we've had a, like, you know, he's had a bunch of shows ordered and stuff like that. I think it's like up to 10 projects or something right now, like under the spring Hill umbrella. And like, you're right. He's not writing scripts for all of these. He's not sitting there, you know, like you said, looking at raw footage or holding the uh, the clapboard or any of that stuff, like that's not. He's a basketball player, and especially this first year in LA, it's going to be very basketball oriented, I think. But there, we were talking about this at lunch. There is something to being famous in LA, like it's just it's this like inception level of fame, right? Like where you're already when you're famous among the most famous, you know. And this happens in New York too, to a certain extent, like. I, I think it does open doors that wouldn't be open to him if he was in Cleveland. Like the fact that he's here every night, the fact that, you know, he can roll out of bed and meet with the most powerful people in Hollywood. Um, it's going to allow him to do more different things. And I, and I, and I think at a certain point, like, is there a breaking point where it's too much? Possibly. I mean, I think it's possible, but I have a hard time, you know, believing just as much. As I have a hard time believing that he doesn't think championships are a level of success that he would let, things get in the way of basketball to me this felt more like family and lifestyle than it did you know basketball necessarily or um entertainment it felt like it's just a great place to live and you know there's a lot of reasons to live here all right let's drill down on a couple of things that lebron will have to deal with uh, on the court you I know mean, besides james and how he fits into la and all that stuff the most interesting subplot with the lakers to me is the point guard position because yep. you've got Lonzo Ball, the incumbent, coming off a credible rookie season. As much buffoonery is around Lonzo. I mean, wait, 35 minutes a game in, what, 52 games last year? He was pretty good. He's clearly not the player Jason Tatum is, who he's going to be compared to, but he's or, a— Or Donovan Mitchell. Or Donovan Mitchell, but look, yeah. he's not a bust. He's, he's certainly not a bust. No. Um, but they have Lonzo, and they go out, and they bring in Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo, who since his rookie year has, oh, has started all but two games in the NBA— both these guys, Dan, said the right things at Media Day. But one thing I find interesting about Rondo, when I asked him straight out, I said, Rondo, Rondo, like I'm his best friend. I said, Rajan, when you're, you know, you have Is been, Rondo the shorthand? Is that what his best friends call him? I think they probably do. Yeah, it's Rondo. Yeah. Not like, Paul Pierce calls him Rondo. Not like Ray Rowe no. or something like that? Or? Never heard that before in my life. Okay. Um, but I, you, say, you say, Rajan, you have started all these games. You are coming off a brilliant postseason with New Orleans. 
if you're not a starter, I mean, how important is starting to you? And look, he, one thing he did say was, you know, maybe I'll start 15 games, sit eight. I'm not sure how that's going to work because, you know, with, with New Orleans, you could play Rondo and Drew Holiday together. Here, I don't see any scenario where you can play, or too many scenarios yeah. where you're playing Rondo and Lonzo together. Well, and, and two, you know, I mean, and I think the start 15, sit eight, too, is probably a little optimistic because they invested all of one year. Rajon Rondo, and, yep. and they have a lot more invested, obviously, in Lonzo Ball, and and I do think that this is kind of, it's a short term marriage, right? Like this is like that college relationship that you know is going to end badly at some point, but you just you try, you want to get the most out of it, right? While, while it's there, while mm-hmm. it lasts, and I think um, I, I'm with you. I'm a I'm a Lonzo Ball fan. I, I think his rookie season is like because so many other rookies did like incredible stuff. I, I think he lived up to some expectations in the sense that I'm a fan of players who are elite at things, right? Like who have those, the boxes they, ch- they check and say like, this is something. And we know Alonzo ball is an elite rebounder and, and that is going to, as a guard, he's as good as anybody, you know, and that's going to be something I think as he gets bigger and stronger, only going to be better at. And we, and I think we feel the same way about him as a passer too. You know, he's a really selfless player and, and those two things I think make teams better. And I think pair actually really well with LeBron James, you know, as a guy who, who can, you know, if LeBron doesn't want to run, Lonzo will. But, you know, you also kind of worry about his growth and, and how much floor time is he going to see? Because to me, I, I mean, I think when you have LeBron James, this is going to be interesting for Luke Walton, the Lakers all year. The, you know, on one hand, um, they have, they've had this sort of push, like they're developing players. This is a long-term view, you know, years in the making to get these guys. They're all young. They're, you know, um, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old guys, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, like our kids, right? And, and to get them up to speed. Well, to me, and to at least to a certain degree, like that that time is gone now. Like you have four years of LeBron James under contract, like four cracks at winning a title. And we already agree that this year is probably already a punt. So you got to get him up to speed fast. And, and so this mentorship has to work. I, I mean, like there's not a lot of room for them to, to kind of, not figure things out or for Luke Walton to have pressure to win games and be like, well, you know, I'd feel better with Rajan on the court than I would with Lonzo um, because two years from now, that's not going to do any good. Mm -hmm. And and so I think they're going to have these kind of conflicting things and it'll be really interesting to see how he handles if, if the choices are Lonzo, particularly if he even feels like he deserves to be on the court. I think that's when real problems could, could kind of surface. Well, agreed. And along those lines, I wonder how much influence LeBron James has on all this because you know, if they get into fourth quarters and Rondo's on the bench and they don't close in fourth quarters, you heard LeBron gushing over Rondo. LeBron was in Cleveland when Rondo was kicking his ass with the Celtics all those years. He knows the IQ that Rondo has. He knows how well he plays. He called him one of the smartest players he's ever played. I mean, every, I mean everybody calls him that. I mean, it's it's uncanny how, how the level of respect that players have for Rajon Rondo does LeBron say, look, I want that guy out there on the floor. I want the smart guy. He may not be the more naturally talented anymore, but I want the smart guy out there on the floor. And then what happens? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, again, we have conf- there's conflicting interests, right? And that's where LeBron's patience, which was something that kind of came up a couple different times today, is going to be tested this year. I mean, that's, to me, one of the stories I'm most interested in seeing is, like, can LeBron be patient? Because we've seen this guy before when put into these difficult situations, you know, like it wasn't very patient with their roster last year. Obviously, that team went under underwent massive changes. You know, there's been stuff like said things said on Instagram and like different little hints here in the media and, and things that he said. Is he going to have that same level of or a different level, a newfound level of kind of? Well, their young guys are going to learn. I mean, today he said the right things about that, but we'll see when you know when they're five and twelve. You know what I mean? And Lonzo Ball is you know shooting twenty eight percent from three. If, if if he feels that way still, or if he doesn't like. Brandon Ingram shot selection or doesn't feel like he's tough enough on defense. You know, is he going to, is he going to push for Lance Stevenson to be on the court? You know, the guys that, that he knows, I I think to me, that's what's so interesting about this, this roster and this team is that this is a test. I mean, I didn't ask LeBron James a question today. It was a total madhouse over there. It wasn't to me, it wasn't worth it, but you know, if I was going to ask a question to me, I mean, is that, was that part of the appeal to test yourself in, in this totally new way which is that surround me with a bunch of 22 year olds and a bunch of 32 year olds. And like, let's see if I can make this all work. It's like, you know, cause that's something he's never had to do in his career. And I'm really curious to see the results. I think that situation you pointed out with like late in games, who's going to be on the court, um, particularly at that point guard position. 
Um, and, and it might come down to, honestly, I mean, we both know how LeBron plays. It might come down to who's better off the ball in those situations. And I think that's probably going to be an edge to Lonzo. I think at UCLA, he was a little more off the ball than people realized. Did a lot more. A lot of his assists came, I think, more in transition and stuff like that. And actually, you know, shot the ball fairly decent in college, I think, off the ball. And he's put in a lot of work on that front this summer, even though he's been hurt. To me, that's where he can make his biggest impact and kind of earn LeBron's trust late in games. will be as a guy who's a secondary player who, once LeBron drives, maybe it's a secondary drive and a pass in the lane. Maybe it's a quick swing pass, you know, or and the Lakers will help this, or it's knocking down a big shot when it's presented. I mean, I, I feel like he can do those things that Rondo does too, but he just he doesn't see the game the same way, and he certainly at this point doesn't communicate it the same way. Look, I, I use the word combustible this summer to describe the Lakers, and I think that – little corner of the locker room is the most because if it is Rondo playing the minutes, maybe Lonzo doesn't say anything, but LeVar might. And we haven't heard much from LeVar over the last few months. I saw Bill Simmons postured, postured that, <laughs> uh, that perhaps he was on the payroll now. Silence is being bought. Yes. Wouldn't be the first time. I've seen it happen in other sports. It's a very Hollywood, uh, a very Hollywood theory. Mm-hmm. Certainly possible. I mean, I think... You know, but Lonzo mentioned this today, and, and I do think that this is also sort of the, the I don't want to say the silver lining of getting LeBron James. I mean, that has its own, you know, every color lining. You know, you've got LeBron James. Your life is immeasurably better as a basketball team. But one of the things it does is it takes less less attention to Lonzo Ball. Like, that's not a name we've heard a ton about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I you saw the way the crowds thinned out today. You know, the way everybody was so hanging on every word LeBron James said. There were no seats available cameras are shoulder to shoulder LeBron gets up and walks half the room walks with him you know and, and, and now all of a sudden Lonzo Ball can sit down and talk about his jump shot and there aren't as many people that are listening and, and, and there's a little more I, I, I do think the shadow of LeBron James could really benefit a young player like that who, who came in with tons of attention um, not all of it good obviously and, and I think that's something that another thing that I'm really looking for this looking forward to seeing this season is what does Lonzo Ball look like when it's not under the the guys of like being a big baller or, or whatever else, you know, when he's not a brand, when he's just like a complimentary piece on a team that's trying to make the playoffs. All right. Let me ask you about Luke Walton, because I mean, again, he's a guy that is under a lot of pressure this yes. year. I firmly believe um, I thought he did a pretty good job last year, especially navigating some of the turbulence that happened with Lonzo with LeVar. And when that stuff happened, they performed well. Like I think that speaks to, I think the way that the team feels about Luke. I mean, you know, when, when I think the not to go off, but when I was around the team a little bit after uh, Lavar had said that Luke had lost the locker room or something, I think they went on a, a, a pretty decent winning streak and, and played like some of their best basketball of the year. To me, I think that speaks to the overall respect for him. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is a lot of pressure. I mean, you again, you have LeBron James as your coach. Like, there's going to be pressure. And I think uh, Rob Polinka, Magic Johnson, late last week, did their best to kind of try to say. We we know this, and he's our guy. We're backing him. It's you know, but again, if you're five and 12, 17 games in the season, or if you're ten games under five hundred before the you know before the All Star break or at the trade deadline, you know, do you make a move? I, I think it's certainly possible. Um, I th- I think you know again, you're committed to four years of LeBron James. You only have so many chances. You don't want to go down the roads with people that. If it's, if it's not going to work, I tend to think he's a good coach. I, I think he did a really good job with that team last year, got that team playing defense, which if you'd seen them before was not not a strength necessarily of that team. I think he, he obviously helped develop Julius Randle and push the right buttons with him over the course of the season. Um, you know, They did a really good job with Kyle Kuzma, and I think Brandon Ingram got better as the year went along. And, and to me, the one guy that we never talk about when we talk about the Lakers and maybe – I mean, this is favored is a weird word, but but the guy that I think could impact a good team the most is Josh Hart, um, a guy that I think is a versatile, super important modern NBA wing who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, they they did a really good job with those guys, I, I think, last year, and have developed them enough to put them in a position where you can put them next to LeBron James and feel that they've got a credible shot at the playoffs. I know maybe you don't feel that way, but you know, I, I think they've got enough of those young pieces to whether it's ship them off in a trade and, and bring in that other superstar if things go badly or, you know, you know, I think Luke has put together a, a good enough base. Um, but that's the, the, you know, the, the huge elephant in the room is like, you know, you don't have a lot of time. Four years isn't that long. Uh, uh, look, of course, they have a, of course they have a credible shot at the playoffs. It's just, I think, you know, given the West, 
and how many wins it's going to take to get there. I think it's asking a lot, even with LeBron James on your team, to get that threshold since it's just as strong, if not stronger, than what it was last year. My question with Luke, though, is, I mean, what does he have to do? I mean, winning cures all. If they're the fourth seed in the Western Conference, he keeps his job. But if they miss the playoffs, I go back to the same stuff. Magic didn't hire him. Palenka didn't hire him. Mm -hmm. And what we know about LeBron James, he absolutely tried to push Eric Spolstra out in Miami his first year. David Blatt, after winning the Eastern Conference and having a well above 500 record in that second year, was pushed out in part because LeBron wanted somebody else on that job. Um it's it's a, almost an impossible situation for Luke Walton to be in. He, he looked like he was giddy about it today. I wonder what he looks like two months from now when we're around Christmas time. Well, I mean, I think this is it, it goes speaks to a lot of these guys is it it changes everybody's timeline, right? That Luke Walton is still a young coach in this league, a guy who's getting better. Um, you know, had the really weird situation at the start of his kind of head coaching career in, in Golden State where he was gifted this amazing roster. Um, and did a tremendous job. You know, I, I, I'm not a person who thinks that anybody could just like that a paper bag could have coached the Warriors that season. Like, no, like I think you need to manage those egos. And, and I think he did a good job of that. And there has to be a figurehead. Right. But um, I think his timeline in, in terms of growing of a coach has been elevated. I think Lonzo Ball's timeline is in terms of learning how to be a credible shooter is, is you know, had, has gotten it shrunk. It, it's got to get there faster. Same with Brandon Ingram getting stronger and all of these things have to move quicker now. And you're right. There's immense pressure on him because he's much more replaceable than Lonzo Ball or yeah. Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, the, that's one of those things that it's kind of the first thing to go. And I think you're right. Like they've said that he has, you know, their full support. I know Jeannie Buss thinks very highly of him. I think they, they appreciate the job that he's done in his time so far with the Lakers. He's family here. Um, obviously, has, has been someone who is a part of their community, a part of their fabric, and they like that. Um, but how much is that going to matter if LeBron doesn't? And, and I think, you know, you asked, what does he have to do? Is I think he has to, it's an unenviable job. He has to keep LeBron patient. And, and you know, knowing that all of these things are moving quickly and, and stuff like that, keep him kind of focused on that long view that he talked about today. If they're not in position, you know, to, to kind of make a run right now. Um, we'll see. It, they were a team that snuck up on teams, I think, at times last year. They played harder than people thought. Um, they were in a lot of games and, and didn't close at the end. Um, it's easy to say, well, we got LeBron James. Now those problems will be solved. I think there will be a little bit of a different attacking mindset from teams that come through Staples Center, um, you know, or, or from when the Lakers come to town. But um, there's a lot of pressure on him for sure. It wouldn't stun me if he's not the coach next year. It wouldn't stun me if they get off to a bad start and he's scapegoated this year. I don't think it's necessarily fair either way. But um, – when you get LeBron James, I mean, he called it a tremendous opportunity today, and it is. It's a chance. I mean, you have the best player in the world. Um, you know what I mean? That's a huge chance as a head coach. It also comes, though, with giant stakes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's less room for error. Support for the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases that you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate up for 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix. That's rocketmortgage.com slash Mannix. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, uh, let's move over to Jimmy Butler, who was not at the Timberwolves media day. I was hoping he'd just show up somewhere. Yeah, today, right? and do something, some kind of media anywhere, who knows, or, you know, but whatever. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 29 years old, one of the better two-way guards in the league, has a year left on his contract. He wants out of Minnesota. 
I've heard different things about why it sure seems like the Andrew Wiggins relationship sucked. I mean, that mm-hmm. was, you saw the Wiggins family kind of getting involved yeah. with the, on social media about that. Butler has a list of three teams. It's the Clippers, it's the Knicks, and the Nets. From what I'm told, the Wolves aren't even looking at that list. Like, you want Jimmy Butler, make us an offer. We'll deal you. They have no allegiance or desire to appease Jimmy Butler. And there have been other teams coming in making significant offers uh, to go and get him. What do you make of, of, of that whole situation, which seems like it has pitted Tom Thibodeau, the coach and the president, against Glenn Taylor, the owner. Tibbs seems like he's in favor of riding this thing out, trying to make it work, at the very least trying to win this year with Jimmy Butler, and perhaps dare him to leave money on the table next summer, whereas Glenn Taylor doesn't seem like he has the appetite to go through a turbulent season like this. Well, I mean, I think, again, this is another example you can follow this under probably why having a head coach be in charge of your long-term basketball decisions is probably not a great idea because you, you said it right there. Their best chance to win this season, their best chance to make the playoffs this season is if Jimmy Butler is on the court. Like he, He's good enough to get them into the playoffs, right? Or, or at least keep them in the conversation. If he's not on the team, depending on what the return is, you know, we keep looking for teams to fall out of the West, out of the top eight, as you know, teams like Denver's coming. You know, the, the Lakers are the obvious one. Like, who's going to be in the playoff race that that wasn't in it last year? The Clippers maybe sneaking up on people with a deep roster. Um, Minnesota's a candidate to not be in the playoffs next year, right? And uh, if he's going to leave anyways, you know what I mean. I tend to side with ownership in, the, in these situations. Like, if a guy's going to leave, and if you know he's going to leave. Trying to max now, you would ideally this wouldn't be a public auction, you know that limits sort of like the assets you're able to get in return, and, and who knows exactly what they're asking for. But but I do think that in this case, um, this is just it, it, when you hear things like we want to keep winning now, we don't want to trade him to a Western Conference team because that means it'll be harder for us to make the playoffs right now. Well, like if the roster is what it is, that's still a young enough roster to kind of undergo a, a little bit of a retooling. Like they don't need to be the eight seed. Now, one of the things is, and I've talked to some evaluators that aren't crazy about this upcoming draft that, that don't feel it's as deep as the drafts have been the last two years. So that, you know, the, the incentive to tank right now or, or, or to keep the 13th pick versus making the playoffs and even maybe even getting that playoff revenue. Like there, there's not as much incentive maybe to, to, to bottom out right now. But when I look at Minnesota, I, again, that's a team that I don't see a super clear pathway for them to get to that upper echelon in the, in the Western Conference as is. Um, a trade certainly would be one way they could they could gather a couple new assets. Maybe they get a couple contracts off of their books that they want to shed, and they can become uh, a, you know players. I don't think they'll ever be a top-tier free agency destination. It's um, I mean, it's too cold. Yeah, I mean, look, getting Towns' name on the five-year, $190 million contract at least gives you, you know, two cornerstone players. Towns, I think, no argument, legitimate franchise player. Wiggins, separate conversation. He really didn't. Yeah, that doesn't really feel like a a cornerstone. I mean, to me, that he feels like kind of the free agent they might be able to sign and overpay at some point, right? It's like when those kind of guys hit the market. I think the other thing, too, that's really interesting about Jimmy Butler, and I wrote about this last week is sort of this tier of superstar, right? Like, like I, I think I use the term like sort like sort of stars, like he's a superstar for sure. But no, like the, this class of guys that are going to get max contracts that are, I mean, like that's what Jimmy Butler wants is like the five year, $190 million max. Right. And I, I don't know that you can win a title paying him that kind of money. Um, you know, especially a guy that's going to be into his mid thirties with the Tibbs minutes on him. Who's at best an average three point shooter, a terrific defender. No, no question. Um, but a guy who it, it's hard to project him being better than, than he is right now. Um, I think the mileage on, on him, those feel like hard minutes that he's played. You know, we know what Tibbs does at practice too <laughs> and, and how, how he wears those guys down. Um, I think for a team like the Clippers, for instance, right, a team that does have two max slots, like they have to be asking themselves real questions about, and I, and I mean, I know teams are doing this, you know, it, can he be our number two? Um, you know, and, and I think for other teams that are like the Miami Heat, for instance, where he'd be down there as their number one. Um, now, they're in a unique situation because of their cap. They're, I mean, they're so handcuffed. This is the only way they can really get anybody is that they can go trade for somebody. But, you, you know, I I don't know how you feel about him as a player. I mean, I think he's a, he's a borderline all-NBA player. Um, but a guy, though, again, at 29, I, I compared him a little bit to Blake Griffin. And, and sort of – and like when I looked at their numbers – 
they're all NBA appearances. They're all star appearances. They're all kind of right in line with each other. Blake has had the more catastrophic injuries, um, but you know both guys are 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 pretty sure about to miss at least fifteen games every year. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it, with anybody when you get to guys at this stage. You're at some point during their big contract. You're going to be overpaying them. You're going to be paying for past performance. Yes, you're going to be giving them money that they don't deserve at that point. The the key is getting enough years out of that before you get to that point. Like I thought, Boston has done has gotten a lot out of Al Horford. I mean, they're going to be paying Al Horford at the end of this deal a lot of money. But Al Horford had arguably his most complete year last year. It was huge Completely. for them in the playoffs. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Do you get through two years of a new max deal before you're like, oh man, this guy is really an albatross around our neck? Now, I think he's a terrific player, but he's been injury prone. He's been battling injuries um, three of the last four years, I believe. And well, last year, get, and the question, injury. and the question is too, is like, I mean, how well do pr- perimeter defenders age? Right? I mean, I mean, that's not well. That, that's certainly a position that you need um, a base level of athleticism in the current NBA. I wish he shot it like 38% from three instead of 34%. Like, I mean, these are little things, but like when we're nitpicking or, but when I think you're talking about a guy being, you know, the second piece to a title or something like that, um, because I think, you know, teams like, especially a team like the Clippers that just blew it up because they didn't have a title contender, right? Like their, their pathway to a title did not exist. This is a team that very much still wants to win an NBA championship, right? So, where do, like where does Jimmy Butler fit into that? Um, you know, does a team built around Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler get you there? Can that team compete with the Warriors? I'd say probably on paper, no. I I, I don't think so. I, I think that you need that that second guy has got to be a, a just a tick higher, a, a, just a level up. Um, you know, doesn't have to necessarily be that Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry level of superstar, but but that second tier of guys. Um, that, I think that's where you need to live. You need to find two of those guys. If that's the path you're taking, and if you talk yourself into Butler, to me, part of that is because you you just don't have other options. One thing I wonder, and look, there's we'll learn a lot as when Butler finally comes, you know, either gets traded or comes back to the team. But you know, why wasn't this handled three or four months ago? Three or four months ago, the Wolves could have spent the off season like the uh, the Pacers did with Paul George, like the Spurs did with Kawhi Leonard, and dealt with it. We're now into training camp. And this just surfaced as a trade demand a couple of days ago. Did they not know about it back in? You knew there was some issues. I, think I there. read something where he had been voicing unhappiness for he a had, few. I months. mean, I've and, read and, a lot of that too. Like, and, and I've and heard like, a lot of that. And like, maybe, like, again, when your coach is your decision maker, you, you know, that's something like, oh, we'll figure it out. That's my tips and. But if they're if they're at the point where they have a sense of urgency to deal him in the coming days, and that's what it seems like. They want to move off this. It's ownership. It could, I mean, it feels like it could happen before like we're done taping this, it right? Abs- it absolutely could. They're not going to get the best possible offer. Look at, I mean, and think about it. Look at what Paul George fetched a year ago. We didn't know what Victor Oladipo was at that point. Victor Oladipo sure. was a, a serviceable third or fourth option. We didn't know it was going to turn to the most improved player in the NBA or one mm-hmm. of uh, at that point. So it was, and no draft pick was involved in that deal. Kawhi Leonard was traded for DeMar DeRozan, a guy I think Toronto was, might've been trying to move off of uh, anyway, just to move off of that contract and go into a full rebuild, which is still something on the minds of the Raptors. Now, uh, what are you going to get for Butler? You can certainly argue that Kawhi more valuable than Butler, Paul George more valuable than Butler. Is the offer really going to be any better? I mean, Miami can't offer you draft picks. Uh, the the Clippers and Nets and Knicks aren't going to get into a bidding war over this guy. Not when they have the cap space to sign him outright this summer. Yeah, I mean, I think like you know, to me, it's a situation is like maybe you can get an asset out of this if if you're Minnesota, but you might be taking on a contract that you don't love in the short term either like it's not it, like a clean break here doesn't seem like this, this doesn't feel like a trade where everybody's going to come out of this happy right like this isn't, isn't that a, a reason isn't that like reason to tell him to show up and to play i mean unless you get an offer that blows you away a young piece that you can add to this group show up play maybe you figure it out you look you you make you're, you're right if butler goes the timberwolves could be one of those teams that slips out of the playoff mix if butler stays they're a conference finalist candidate. I wow. think. I believe it. Look, they're that. Look, before Butler got hurt, where were they? They were right there in that four-five type of mix. You give the young players another year to develop. Maybe they get a little bit better. They Houston took a step back. Utah, I think, will take a step forward. But the Blazers, I mean, they're a candidate to be right there in the conference finals. I mean, I think, I think, uh, I tend to 
look at sort of some of their dysfunction as a reason why I don't think they'd be making that stuff for us. I know some of that is with the the beauty of kind of knowing stuff now that happened last year. And, you you know, you read like Jamal Crawford said some stuff. You know, obviously Jimmy Butler's unhappy. Um, we've seen kind of – I've never seen a contract subtweet quite the way like the Carl Thomas contract subtweets, you know what I mean, and and some of his statements. Like it's it's not a good situation over there, at least that it, that's how it reads from afar. When, when when you see the way this conference is kind of shaken out and when, when you kind of start listing teams in your mind, which is something I've had to do here recently for our preview section, you know, one of the fun things you get to do when you walk into a job like like mine right now is like, oh, great, now go predict the, predict the order of finish for the entire league. You know, and you start looking about who's going to fall out of the Western Conference picture. To me, Minnesota is more of a candidate to do that than they are to contend in the finals. I, I think that one of the things we know more is that, you know, Tibbs hasn't been at the helm of a contender in a, in a while. Um, you know, I, I think that roster isn't as good as it needs to be. Um, I, they haven't brought in any young talent. Um, you know, like, you know, they, they traded the Justin Patton's out again for another season. Um, that pick is pretty much lost at this point. You know, they, they haven't, I mean, who have been their free agent acquisitions? Nothing really. Yeah, nothing, nothing significant. Nothing significant, right? So to me, they're a team that didn't get much better. They're counting on Carl Towns getting better, which he will. And they're counting on Andrew Wiggins getting better, which he might, you know? And I, I think, obviously, when you add in the fact that Jimmy Butler is clearly unhappy and, and, and doesn't want to be there, and you're right, they could force him, I suppose, right? Or, or they could find him every day, and you, you could kind of leverage him that way, but... It's a lose-lose situation for them right now. There's no good way out of this. They're going to end up not getting as much for him as he's probably worth. But again, like I kind of hinted at before, I, I, his market is confusing to me to begin with. Um, I think in some ways he's almost more attractive as a rental. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like for a team like like if Houston can figure something out, you know what I mean? Or a team that just, you know, Philadelphia. Like to me, th- those teams, he may even make more sense in sort of that like we're going to have you for a year. We're going to try to win a title and then we're not going to give you that max that, than he does for a team that's looking at him as we're going to want this guy to be a face of our franchise for the next five years. Mm. All right, from one team that could slide out of the playoffs to maybe another, uh, the Pelicans, you know, they made some interesting moves this offseason. They let DeMarcus Cousins walk, which I understand. Um, they had a lot of success last year with Nikola Mirotic as the, as the four-man alongside Anthony Davis at the five. It seems like they developed chemistry and Cousins, the Achilles injury, comes down to money too how much money do you want to spend on demarcus and you're betting on someone coming back from injuries that big men have traditionally struggled really struggle with at the same time they also let rajon rondo walk effectively swapped out rondo for julius randall with the lakers now the news this week anthony davis fires his agent he goes over to clutch sports rich paul is his agent rich paul is also lebron james's agent lebron james had a lot of guys that were that are represented by clutch sports play for him in the past with the lakers you already have contavious called will pope uh there what did you make of of uh anthony davis's not his decision to switch ages happens all the time but to go to lebron's agent i mean i, I don't know if i was supposed to see this but i happened to see the lakers uh, media day schedule for 2020 and it said future rich paul client at, at, at 1 30 p.m right after lebron um yeah. We don't know who that will be yet. It's a mystery. Maybe Tristan Thompson. Um, but no, it, it, you know, obviously that's the first thing you think is like, you know, Anthony Davis is going to be a Laker. It's like the first to me. And, and this was always sort of the pie and sky, like my weird, crazy. I've already had bar arguments about this even before I was covering the NBA again. Um, and this is just completely wild speculation. But like to me, that would be a guy like if you want to shove all your assets to the table and say like, we're going to we want to get another star here. Like that's a guy you do. Um that guy is Warriors. Like the Warriors have no answer for someone like that. Um, I, I feel like you know pairing him with a player like LeBron James would be. Um, I, has anybody used the term Lob City before? I feel like there would be a lot of lobs. Um, there, there would be elements of that, uh, and this just kind of gives that that total weird like fantasy thing just a little bit of life, right? And, and it's another thing that I mean, it's hard to imagine a player of his ilk re-signing in new orleans when you see kind of what the crowds are like at their games you know during the regular season i don't know how it is for you but like when i've gone through there you know in the past i don't know if it changed last year but you know two years ago going through there on the clippers you'd go in there and it would be you know 60 percent full and, and and stuff and it, it's a great city there's a lot to do there which is probably why it's not as crowded <laughs> and, and and it's hard to imagine that he would spend his prime in a situation where he's you know 
clawing to be the, the seventh seed every year. Which I found, I mean, look, that's why I found the decision to let Rondo walk so perplexing. Now, I understand it for some degree. I mean, Rondo, for all his magic in the playoffs, the regular season, he's a he's a grab bag, really. Like, some days he plays great, but you, know, you get to a mid-December game against Orlando and you might lose Again Rondo. with Orlando. Orlando. The Magic aren't going to be good, so we won't be talking about okay, that good. all that much. They're not a sponsor on the pod? They are not. The, we are not sponsored by the Orlando Magic. However, um, I get that part of it, but this guy was magic last year in the playoffs. Orlando he, Magic. He, Orlando was, magic. he was spectacular in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. I mean, he dominated You know, two high-level point guards in Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in the first round. Uh, they didn't get out of the second round, but they were trending in a positive way with that group. It's that's why it surprised me that they let a player of that well, caliber walk to replace him with an Alfred Payton, really. And you guess you move um, Holiday back to the one, but you know you had some good things there, and they let it go. Well, and I mean, and that's their path. That's like their one pathway, right? To to keep Anthony Davis is you have to get to a championship level. Like that's really, I mean, you have to be in that mix to convince him to stay. Otherwise, it's you know in the modern NBA, it's hard. You know, when these when, when rookies go to these markets um, that aren't – and people say that market size doesn't matter. And, and, like, look, like a guy like Russell Westbrook has proven that you can keep a guy in, in a smaller market for X amount of years. But that feels more of an exception than, than a rule to me. It's not just the exception. It's that Westbrook also – I mean, if Westbrook didn't have that infrastructure there of Sam Presti – and you know now Billy Donovan, like just, but mostly Presty. Like if he didn't know that he had some of the smartest people in the sure. world backing him there, I, well, I, and I think put and, together and, winning. And, and, and I think too. I mean, he has like the right personality for it too. Like I think there's a lot of things that kind of go into having someone you know who has literally can take a map of the United States and say like I want to work and live anywhere I want for as I mean the money's going to be the same anywhere pretty much. You know, I mean, you leave money on the table to leave, but you get that back somehow, you know, whether it's through taxes or, or endorsements or however, you're not going to go hungry if, if you don't take that super max. But I, I do think like a, a team like New Orleans um, is in a, at a real disadvantage right now because you have to, you have to build um, the kind of culture and, and there isn't really a culture there. Um, you have to build. And, and like you said, you were starting to see some of those signs um, late in the season, I think as they kind of push for a playoff spot. And, and then also obviously in the first round where I don't know how you felt. I was not surprised by that result. As someone kind of wasn't covering the league last year, just kind of watching it, like that felt like a series, and they had the best player, you, you, you know. And that's one of the, those easy kind of old playoff rules, right? You go with the team that has the best player, and, and a lot of, against a lot of teams, they're going to have the best player. Um, but I, I just don't see tremendous long term future for him there, and, and I think that's generally when people don't think that too is a time sometimes when people change agents. You know, I, I, I don't think you need to change agents necessarily if you're just going to sign the Supermax deal they're going to throw in front of you. You know, what are you negotiating? Well, I mean, one thing he does need is I think he needs to be involved in more endorsements. I think he's too good a player to not be even more visible. I mean, he's – I don't know where you rank among the NBA best, but he's up there inside the top five, I would imagine, of – NBA players, top 10 at worst. Yeah, at worst. Uh, in that group. And I don't know if he's visible in some degrees. Red Bull does that stuff, but I think he needs to be more visible. Didn't he have like a, like a eyebrow thing? Like He a, did, yeah. yeah that was like, that. I think it was a Red Bull thing when it was he okay. faked off uh, doing the whole eyebrow thing. But look, here's the thing. I don't know if I'm a Pelicans fan. I don't panic necessarily because he signed with Rich Paul. I mean, we have like what? We're still talking like two, two, three years out, right? Yeah, I mean, 2020 at the end of that season, he can get out of, uh, opt out of his contract, I believe. Um, and players make their own decisions. I mean, look, I'm sure there were people in Paul George's camp that would love it if he was playing in L.A., but Paul George, the player, was comfortable with Oklahoma City and comfortable with Russell Westbrook. That's why he stayed. From the Lakers' context, though, to spin it back there, um, I don't know that they can win a bidding war with some of these teams to go and get him. I just don't think there's enough. Well, so much depends on development, right, And, and stuff. like I mean, like, Kuzma's an interesting piece because in some ways it sort of found money, right? At the end of the first round, you, you get a guy who has one of the more prolific rookie seasons in Laker history. Well, it, I mean, is, he looks terrific. You see, you know, you saw him today. We'll do a little muscle watch here for the people. Like, best shape of his life, Chris. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Another bingo. Yeah, right? Mm. Uh, but no, looks really good, right? And, and I think, obviously, we don't know what Lonzo Ball is yet. Um, I We don't know what Brandon Ingram is yet. Um, 
And I and I think those are interesting pieces. Now, obviously, depending on what what Boston wants to make available, they have the best treasure chest, right? Like because they have, I mean, they have Jason Tatum, you, you know, who I don't think they're trading virtually in any circumstance. No, I think you're looking at if it's Boston, it's Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and some collection of draft picks. Yeah, you, you know, but I mean, but Jalen Brown's a great piece. Like He's an all-star caliber player. I yeah, think he probably I, will be an all-star. I mean, but like you know, and then I think depending on how heavy how heavy and now the weird thing is sort of like. You know, in my mind, it's like, oh, you just have the Lakers. Like, you push all your assets in today. You call New Orleans, say, the writing's on the wall. You know, he's signing with Rich Paul. Like, he's not going to be there very long. We'll give you Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram. We'll make this work. You know, we'll get them off your hands. And it's like, congratulations, New Orleans. You've just become last year's Lakers all of a sudden. It's like you just have the same team that was here. battle in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so I, that's not very realistic either. But so, like, you need to see those guys, I think, develop a little more before the Lakers have the ammunition to get this done um, in a trade. But it, it's interesting. As we see players exert more power, uh, um, you know, about their destinations, I think as teams have, you know, seen that you can't let these guys go for nothing, um, that that is a lose-lose proposition for you, that it's better um, to, you know, like what Glenn Taylor's thinking right now is, like, let's just get something, you know, to help push us forward a little bit, and maybe that something can turn into something else down the line. Um, you know, These are the little moves behind the scenes in the NBA that, that get people like us talking and say, like, I know when I saw it, I was like, that, that crazy theory I had was like, all of a sudden, I was like, well, maybe I was a little right. All right, let me finish with Boston. and That's weird, out of character for you. To finish yes, with Boston. Finish with Boston. Well, I do the the Celtics. Let's the take Warriors, you home. Let's take you home. Let's take me home. The Celtics, Warriors, and Lakers are just going to be the storylines all season long uh, in the NBA. But the not Celtics, a lot of Hawks talk. Not a lot of Hawks, Hawks talk. No, unless Trey Young looks like Steph Curry, then we can have Hawk a talk. Hawk, a little Hawk talk. Okay. Um, Celtics got had their media day today, and we got a first look at death lineup 2.0, as I called it, with Al Horford the five, and they took that picture: Tatum, Brown, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward. That's a potent offensive line. Can I? Can we talk about that picture for a second? Uh sure. Um, what I, I what I like to imagine happening, and I don't think this happens, but like I like to imagine like Terry Rozier like kind of walking over, you know, he's like, I want to take a picture with my guys here, like get all of us, and like the photographer being like, well, Terry. <laughs> we only have five. We only have room for five in this shot. You know, like the the picture the Lakers threw out today had four guys on it. Yes, like no center. It was LeBron, uh, Kuzma, Lonzo, and Ingram. Like I, I, I find these like the picture hierarchies to be uh, really interesting. Well, I like the Marcus Morris in Boston uh, coined the phrase "bench with attitude." BWA is what they're calling the Celtics bench. Okay, because they all. Have a little bit of a chip, you know. Terry Rozier was a starter. Whoever it is, Jalen Brown may come off the bench at some point if Aaron Baines starts. Anyway, the you know Kyrie Irving got an interview this week with Jackie McMullen, where and I'm sure he said something comparable at media day, but he thinks that this Celtic team can beat the Warriors. Now, you got to walk before you crawl, in my opinion. And this is a team that is young players has never been to the finals. In fact, only Kyrie Irving and Aaron Baines uh, from this group has finals experience. Um, It'd be a major step forward if they win the Eastern Conference. But if they get there against Golden State, as it looks right now on paper and what we know about the Warriors, do you give them any shot? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a on paper matchup certainly. I mean, I think this is what teams that are in the position to contend have been doing is to try to figure out these lineups that you can that you can throw out there when the Warriors play Draymond Green at center, um, because you know for multiple seasons now nobody's really had a great answer for it. Teams have done. And tried some strange things to try to make it work. Um, and, and when I look at this Boston team, I mean, I think they have the most talent in the East um, by a lot. I, I don't think it's very close. And I and I do think Philadelphia is a good team. And I think Toronto is a good team. And I think when the year's over, I wouldn't be stunned if three of the best teams in the NBA, in our opinion, were Eastern Conference teams. Like that's certainly something I could see happening. Um, to, to me, though, Boston is the clear number one out there, and, and I, I look at that roster, and it, it, it just seems like it's tailor-made for these kinds of things. Now, again, it'll be interesting to see how guys who had inflated roles last year because of injuries, how comfortable they are to step back, how comfortable are, are, are the guys like the Gordon Haywards of the world whose role now is certainly different than it would have been at the start of last season, right? Like his place on that team and that hierarchy is maybe a little different. Um I think obviously Jason Tatum's really like late season surge his, his playoffs, you know, had a lot to do with that. And, and I think you want to keep him growing and doing these types of things. So they're going to have to kind of figure that stuff out and figure out what their pecking order is. But 
they've got a terrific coach. They've got a terrific roster. They have a they have a front office that's willing to tweak and do things. And they've got, like we said, like this amazing chest of assets that if they do need to get off some of these guys and, and you know, they can build their bench or add a starter quality, you know, they can add an all-star at any minute. Like there aren't a lot of teams, especially in that upper, upper echelon who could do that without sacrificing, you know, their best players really. And and that's what separates them. I think from everybody else, I think as much as anything else, it's a cha- It's the biggest challenge of Brad Stevens coaching career. And he has passed every challenge up until this point with flying colors, you know, initial t- taking over the initial team a lot of turnover rondo was there for a minute dealing with all that he helped them through that got them to the playoffs clearly has the the complete support of everybody in that locker room everybody's bought in to this former mid-major coach from butler you know however you want to rank the coaches in the nba brad stevens is certainly in top three or four uh, on that list but now he's dealing with an entirely different thing something entirely new to your point you know i thought terry rogier did a great job of diffusing uh, some of the potential drama at the end of last season when he said this is Kyrie's team he's the starter I'm coming off the bench but he's also entering a contract year he's also a guy that wants to get paid Marcus Morris to a lesser degree last year of his contract he wants to get paid Jalen Brown looking to get that max deal for him at some point down the line you're gonna have guys on that bench that you know are going to take steps back sure. at some point well and there's reasons like why like what the Spurs did in San Antonio isn't you can't replicate it's that hard everywhere. To duplicate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Because you you need the right kind of people to to make the right kind of sacrifices at the right kind of time, and you need different alphas to emerge at different times, and that transition has to be really fluid. And, and I think that's what I'm interested most in seeing with this team is, you know, again, like I mentioned, Hayward and, and Tatum. You know, I think at last year that a lot of times in crunch time the ball would have been, you know, in Kyrie's hands one, Hayward's hands two. Like, where does Tatum rank in that now? Like, I mean, I think you certainly want him in those situations. I don't think he's a guy that you just flare out to the corner. Um, he's too good, you, you know? So so how do you balance that, that hierarchy in the situation? These are good problems. These are first-world problems. But if you get the answers wrong and you get them wrong repeatedly, like then maybe all of a sudden, you know, this balance and the harmony that everybody is saying now, and it's media day. It'd be bad if they were like, this is going to be a disaster. You know, that'd be a good I'm a starter. I want to play 35 minutes a night. Well, <laughs> yeah, pass me. But the they're going to have, yeah. they're going to operate, especially early on. I mean, look, Hayward is just a couple of weeks into playing five. And look, five. and who knows how healthy they'll stay either. Yeah. Again, like, you know, Kyrie's a guy that's been hurt. Before. You want to rest him on back to backs against teams. Like, they're going to be opportunities. Uh, you know, for these guys, they're like a European soccer team with like tons of stars, like with more than their 11. Right? I thought like, they're, they're, they're like a hockey team. They can play two lines. Just roll lines out there. Substitute you are wearing a Nordique shirt, right? I now. am right now wearing a Quebec, Quebec Nordique shirt. I am. I, I, if I'm betting on it, I'm betting it all works out. I mean, Brad's been too good with this team, and th- there's too many unselfish what's guys. All, like, what, what's all works out though? Trip to the finals. Sixty-five wins and go to the finals. I think that's. I don't think that's a stretch with this group. And look, you know, I, I go back to this. I've said this a couple of times, and it's it's hard to kind of quantify because it never happened. But coming out of training camp, and I, I obviously spent a lot of time around the Celtics, so much of a buzz about what Hayward and Kyrie were going to do together. Like, so much talk about how they played off each other. Like, those two... I remember interviewing Kyrie right before the start of the season, and he could barely contain himself. Name drop. What a brag. No, but he could barely contain himself talking about him like, like some of the stuff that brad was designing for hayward because stevens obviously had uh hayward at college so he knows how to maximize certain things that haven't already been maximized coming out of utah i, I really think that hayward as a facilitator is going to be incredibly good with that group another thing that he does too that i think is like wildly underrated he's so good at getting the free throw line and, and that stuff matters like especially when you talk about teams that play in close games and you play in games in the playoffs like having that guy that not just can go get you that basket can maybe get you those points at the free throw line and, and he's better at that than probably anybody else in the eastern conference right now um you know harden's obviously the the king of this um chris ball has been very good at it at times in his career but i I look at a guy like hayward and say when you add that to um to what else they're doing you know you add that element of their offense where you know it's not just be a playmaker do this or, or or you know step out and hit big shots it's also when when these invariably these stretches happen in games where teams go on eight eight oh runs like in some ways that's almost better than like a quick layup right as you, you you stop momentum get to the free throw line you slow everything down and he's really good at that like we saw that a lot in utah saw it happen in the playoff series against the clippers um you know first-handed uh just ending runs by going to the free throw line and, and i think that's a little tiny thing that'll help them a lot it's a great roster um i i, I think obviously boston fans have a lot to feel good about with this team um 
I like Philadelphia a lot. Um, I'm going to go see Toronto here, and that's an interesting roster to me too. Um, Kawhi Leonard, if healthy, is the third best player in the NBA, um, and adding someone of that level to a team that was already pretty good, um, an organization that's been fairly healthy and has put the, put pieces in the right spots, um, I think they're they're a team too. But I, I don't think anybody else has like the real expectations like Boston does. Like Kyrie Irving's like the one guy in the East who could say that, mm-hmm. and it's not crazy. He can say other crazy stuff. Yes, which he does. And has. And yes. all the times. Uh, Dan, welcome to the National NBA Beat. Thanks. When, when do I get my jacket? Do we have a team jacket? Um, I believe Woj took them to ESPN with them. I'm not sure. <sighs> He's got the box. He does. I mean, there may be some leftovers at the Yahoo office, but if I get one, I'll hand it over. Let me know. Thanks for joining me. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Dan Wojcicki for joining the show. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.